if we had a cooperative socialist economy facing this pandemic, we could suspend all non-essential work activity, meet everyone's needs, prevent anyone who got sick from suffering economic hardship, all with no negative externalities. Any other outcome and system now seems absurd. With the way that consciousness has been shaping over the last election, uh, with what we have come to know about tech and big tech, uh, and with, uh, I think, even Andrew Yang's campaign has opened up a lot of people's eyes from a different angle. Uh, and it, so it just seems like what's happening right now seems technologically absurd, because if we had rational systems in place, uh, then things would be going so much better. Right. The countries that are doing well are countries that have very strong social safety nets, that have single-payer Medicare for all type systems where 99% or more of their population doesn't have to worry about going to the hospital uh, and then losing their livelihood uh, versus the U.S. system where if someone has flu symptoms, they might not only not go get tested for coronavirus, but they might go to work because they don't have sick leave. And I think, and I think the role of um, that you can create cost-free systems, egalitarian systems, is a view that's shared by uh, not only uh, you know tech technological socialists, but also uh, some tech libertarians. And so there's there is some you know kind of bridging of of the idea of you know, that utopia is possible uh, if we, you know, kind of do the right things and have the right systems in place. Right. It's really interesting. Um, both of us are coming at this from interesting perspectives. You uh, live in a small commune in uh, the state of Wyoming. I uh, live in California, but have been working uh, from home in large population centers for most of the last five years. Uh, my wife recently started working from home, um, and and she works for a large tech company. One of the companies that is encouraging or mandating uh, work from home, uh, and there there are a number of of these large companies doing so. And it's it's really interesting. This particular uh, pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, from all of the uh, reliable statistics I've seen, it's not one of the most devastating illnesses. However, in a society where the shared safety net is very weak, um, or as we're seeing in Iran, uh, Iran where the sanctions uh, have crippled a lot of uh, the infrastructure there for having appropriate supplies and a highly functioning medical system, uh, we're seeing, you know, really horrific results. And this particular virus is also very difficult for older people, while uh, a lot of the reports uh, indicate that young children may not even be symptomatic. Um, so the fact that we have kind of sporadic daycare situations in the U.S., uh, that we have sporadic insurance systems in the U.S., I think make us particularly uh, vulnerable. But do you have any thoughts, you know, in addition to what you tweeted out uh, about uh, your perspective for how we approach this? And, and there's an article I want to talk about a little bit that, that does compare that kind of approach. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, uh, and before we get into that, I just want to say that what's happening in Iran, uh, in which people can see mass graves from space, 
literally mass graves are, are visible from, from fucking space. And what's happening in Iran is a result of sanctions that Joe Biden supports. And Joe Biden is not alone in supporting that. That implicates a huge chunk of the Democratic Party uh, along with Republicans. And it, it really is, it's sickening to, it's, to watch it's, now. It's, it's a form of genocide. And we um, also have to look at what's happening domestically where both, uh, you know, as we're recording in the last 24 hours, we've had both Trump give a speech and now just Joe Biden give a speech. Uh, and also the Republican Party block a sick leave bill uh, in the Senate. Uh, however, the Fed has just pumped $1.5 trillion into the banking system to prop up the stock market. So when it comes down to it, they can protect their own interests. They can protect the richest of the rich, the banking system, uh, but not uh, get enough tests uh, for U.S. residents. And they also are responsible for just cataclysmic impact on uh, on Iran uh, in this example. Um, and it is, it is really sad to see how feckless the leadership of this country is. It's just unconscionable. The technological developments today, especially trends in AI uh, and stuff like that, are actually really, really promising in the world of public health. Uh, if you have a system uh, of public health that is not uh, profit-based or is not uh, behind a huge paywall. Here in Wyoming, we're dealing with the, this uh, uh, pandemic county by county, uh, and it's just it's it's as shitty as you can imagine that it might be. And and that seems to be uh, a problem that isn't unique to the U.S., but does uh, cause much greater suffering. Uh, what I've been reading from Italy is that uh, they had uh, some schools shut down and neighboring schools not shut down. And so, you know, your children and families are interacting uh, without any kind of systematic plan for reducing community exposure. And I, I do fear that that is uh, how the U.S. is going to approach it. In terms of public health, one uh, ghoulish uh, train of... Um, uh, recommendation I've seen is to pump government money into commercial labs working on the vaccine for coronavirus or COVID-19 and uh, ignoring the fact that it's the underfunding of the public labs that's that has crippled them and they need that money. It should not be going to commercial labs. It should be going to the public health infrastructure. I read an article in Wired. Uh, it, it says to fight COVID-19, curb the spread of germs and rumors. What I really liked about it, though, is it focused on a communitarian approach right. to uh, response to this virus. Because what we're Whitney talking Phillips. about- Whitney Phillips yeah. is the, the person that wrote that. Thank you. And what we're talking about is not, a, it seems like it's, it's too late to completely contain this. So what we're looking at is reducing the, uh, what they call the, the trend graph. Like you don't want the hospitals to be flooded with severely impacted folks um, during this, uh, the course of this. You want uh, the hospitals to be able to maintain uh, control and give the best treatment. And to do that, they, they can't have, you know, one in five people infected and uh, hundreds, thousands of people flooding the hospitals with severe cases. Um, and uh, in terms of communitarianism, communitarianism she writes, uh, communitarianism foregrounds reciprocity 
inter interdependence and shared responsibility and seeks to secure equal freedoms for everyone within a collective. And I think it's important to contrast that behavior with uh, hoarding. Uh, you know, I've already been in uh, local uh, stores where they are rationing products that people are buying uh, in 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 great quantities. Because well, there's literally no toilet paper for a hundred miles from where where I, I got live. Right I now. got. Yeah, and our our capitalist system uh, presently depends on these just-in-time supply chains, which are not. Uh, the kind of supply chains you want during a pandemic where you may need uh, a lot more of certain resources. And I, I don't know if that's toilet paper or if it's hand sanitizer uh, or if it's uh, face masks for uh, first responders, but certainly folks are not behaving in a communitarian fashion. Now, can we talk a little bit about the um, the rise of, of misinformation around this and also the politicization? I don't know what your take has been. Obviously, when you have a, a moron for president, yeah. it's very difficult and also an administration that favors uh, market stability over human life. However, I have also seen this extremely weaponized um, by liberals to attack Trump. And I, I, I've been a bit critical of that. I don't know what you're seeing. I think I've seen a, a lot of the same and in fact had an exchange today uh, in a, my role as a kind of parent and community advocate um, uh, on some uh, policy decisions taking place right here uh, where I've had to deal with that misinformation on a personal level where people wow. have, have said, no, wait a minute, you're wrong. It's not this bad. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not as bad as the flu and only some people are going to die and all of this, you know, kind of right. the same, the same stuff that, that, uh, you know, that you, you've been hearing a lot, but it was, it was odd that, you know, this was something, that was, I was directly face to face with. So yeah, by all means, let's talk about it. Yeah. I think that, um, the information coming out of Italy is very frightening. Uh, a lot of, uh, information about, uh, more healthy adults and younger people, uh, with severe cases. It doesn't seem that it is, it is isolated to just people who already, uh, are sick. And also, uh, one doctor, I, I read a story where he was saying, you know, even if you think you're healthy, but you're going about your daily life and you're on the trains and et cetera, et cetera, um, you may be uh, unknowingly spreading it and like killing old ladies. And uh, that's not a communitarian approach. Precisely. Um, there's a, a, a article I read and I, I don't have the citation for it, but I think it's a really good kind of tip for evaluating um, information about this virus. There's very clearly a lot of speculation, a lot of half-truths, um, and uh, the U.S. government is indicating that there are uh, Russian, Iranian, and other foreign sources uh, maybe purposefully spreading uh, misinformation, disinformation about the virus. One of the ones you can find very easily is that it, it's a man-made, it's some kind of bioweapon um, where uh, the very, you know, the, the researched truth out of Wuhan is that it came from animal markets where there's sick animals and they're breathing and coughing and sneezing uh, on their cages and people are moving those animals around and slaughtering those animals. Um, and, uh, and sickness can be transmitted that way. Um, but there's also the problem of uh, censorship of information, negative information, and that may have contributed to uh, how severe the uh, outbreak was in, in Wuhan, where it originated. Um, but this, this 
kind of tech tip when you're navigating the web is to not try to evaluate a piece of information, uh, especially a piece of information from an unknown source in its own context. So if you try to like, uh, you might read a story that seems like it's true, but then if you Google a key element of that story, like man-made coronavirus, uh, then you will get other sources that you can then use to evaluate that original piece of information. And that's especially important because things will come out and they'll say like a certain number of people are infected here or a certain number of people have died here or, or this thing cures it. Um, and if you look at that, there, one of them that um, a piece of truth that went viral that then became also a piece of misinformation, there's a local doctor in San Diego who uh, wrote up a list of uh, tips and also the supplies he was recommending. And one of the things he recommended, and this is like a really good set of tips. And this is what I wish people would focus less on the partisanship and less on the blame game and more on getting good information out. Like social isolation does work, which means don't make unessential, uh, you know, as much as I would like to go like hang out in the movie theater, that might not be a good idea, right? Um, I know the movie theaters would like it. And this is where the, the problem about like who gets bailed out, right? It's right now it's the banks, but really it's like uh, it's leisure and tourism, things that people can cut out when they're worried. Um, but this doctor also said that zinc lozenges are very helpful in reducing the replication of this kind of virus. And this doctor is a very reputable expert in virology. He'd actually uh, worked on the discovery of some of the initial uh, coronaviruses decades ago, related viruses. People started making memes saying that cold ease cures coronavirus. And that's not what he wrote. He wrote that it reduces the replication in your body and reduces the potential severity. Um, and then Snopes did a story on that. And uh, they said, yes, his original information is true. But there's also uh, debate over whether those zinc lozenges, how effective they actually are. And certainly they are not a cure. And so this is and then you have Trump, you know, saying, you know, it's 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 mild like the flu, which um, is it does not seem to be true at all. Uh, so look for information that you so you can properly contextualize it. Uh, it's definitely hard uh, to figure out who to trust in our society these days. Um, you know, when you can't really can't trust the president as far as you can kick him. Uh, you can't trust you. Know, you've got like Senator Tom Cotton. Did you watch the did war. you watch the speech? I didn't watch the speech. I didn't watch uh, the speech. No, I did not. And I and I, I didn't really watch Biden's. I, he took no questions, which I thought was was remarkable. Um, I don't know why that's at all remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah, it's remarkable that we will uh, we're steam ahead with a presidential candidate who who uh, can't communicate outside of uh, prepared remarks. But I I brought up the work from home stuff. So one of the, some of the news this week, uh, Google recommends all employees in Europe, Middle East, and Africa work from home. They'd already recommended that for North America. Um, Amazon giving paid sick leave to employees diagnosed with coronavirus. Now, the problem here, though, is that the U.S. is not testing that many people. So if you have the symptoms of a flu, are you getting tested and diagnosed with coronavirus? Are you staying home? Are you trying to take some over-the-counter medications and go to work? Uh, Casey Newton, who we uh, reference a lot here just because of his incredible 
work with the daily uh, interface newsletter from The Verge, he said, uh, COVID-19 has really been a watershed for tech giants treating their contract workers like the human beings they are. Now, that it takes a global pandemic to get these folks to treat their employees like humans uh, is one of those big systematic problems we were talking about at the top of the, at the, top of the show. Well, uh, the White House is meeting with large tech companies discussing ways yeah, to control the outbreak. That, that yeah. was actually where I was going to, at, at first, that's where I was going to mention um, this, uh, the, you know, sort of the potential uh, that's, that's out there. And I just, uh, you know, and then just that question of, of who, who needs to be in that room uh, and who doesn't need to be in that room. And the Let's keep Tom Cotton out of there. Yeah, so much. Yeah, there's so there are so many uh, voices that that we don't need to hear uh, at this point. And uh, uh, you know, one yeah. of the, you know, starting at the top, obviously. Uh, I'm part of a multi-ethnic family, and the uh, the the race baiting uh, xenophobia around a lot of the Republican response is really not appreciated. Uh, the uh, you know, they're, they're calling it the Chinese coronavirus. They're saying this foreign virus. It's like these situations do not call for xenophobia. They call for a communitarian approach. And I think it's incredibly important that we separate fact from fiction around uh, how to prevent the spread. I think that it is it's frightening for people when, uh, because viruses are invisible, right? And we've gone around uh, like not washing our hands for 20 to 30 seconds, you know, and, uh, and so, all of a sudden so, we're taking it seriously. So of these uh, tech companies that will be in the, in the room, uh, what are, which ones um, suck the least, I guess? <laughs> I think they all suck. Um, and, but the infrastructure for working from home is very dependent on technology, particularly things like uh, Google Apps uh, has a lot of, of merit. I think that they should be getting like Zoom and Slack in there unless, but, but I think it's, it's the information that the White House is concerned with, right? They're concerned about how does information spread on uh, Google, whether it's uh, people, you know, searching for information, uh, do they get accurate information? Uh, Facebook uh, is really a home, a nest of lies and rumors. Uh, you know, you basically can't post about coronavirus without people uh, putting false information into the comments. That's what I'm seeing right now. Uh, and Twitter, I think, is uh, the place where we're seeing a uh, panic spread uh, and, and maybe less like how many times can you tell people to wash their hands, but you can say every bad thing that's happening, every person that's dying. I don't want to be one of the people who just keep saying we're fucked because uh, I think there are things that you can do in your own community, in your own family, in your own uh, uh, neighborhood, uh, county uh, to uh, respond that can help uh, flatten that curve of, of infections and hospitalizations. Um, and I don't really count the White House and these large tech companies as great allies in this time, although I know that they are scrambling uh, to respond. One of the really important things right now is supply chains. It's making sure that toilet paper is restocked, that uh, hand sanitizer is restocked. And I mean, it is, we are living in uh, absolute capitalist authoritarian nightmare because New York is manufacturing uh, hand sanitizer by using prison labor uh, to get it out faster. And uh, it's like- This one is of the, disaster capitalism. 
Absolutely. Naomi Klein. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of, uh, of, of lighter coronavirus stories before we switch to uh, a few uh, stories that we've been following here on Nader versus the oligarchs. Uh, one, uh, YouTube was facing a backlash because it was automatically demonetizing videos that uh, included mentions of the coronavirus. And I did uh, hear one of the shows I was watching last week during the I think it was, it was during the coverage of the Super Tuesday 2 results, and uh, it was Sam Cedar uh, doing a live show, and he says, like, oh, don't, don't mention you know, the virus by its, its full name. We can say COVID-19, but if we say anything else, they tend to demonetize, and that uh, was something they were doing uh, automatically. And I know that YouTube, like the other social media platforms, is uh, a hub for disinformation, um, but it's also a place where people are getting out uh, legitimate uh, commentary, critique, and also news uh, about the virus. Um, and so they are switching that decision and not no longer automatically demonetizing those coronavirus videos. Um, I liked uh, a story from Intelligencer uh, in, in New York Magazine um, talking about how coronavirus will be good for memes. And it is, uh, it's a lighter look at the problem, but now that more people are practicing social distancing, are working from home uh, with school closures, a lot of colleges have already closed, you know, sporting, um, you know, MLS today announced uh, that they were uh, suspending the season for 30 days. NBA has announced that they're suspending the season. Um, people have a lot more time and they have more cognitive resources at hand. And this is also something that would be true in a socialist society where we don't just do make work where everyone has uh, the essentials they need to live, they're more free to think and create. Um, and so the premise of this story is that you know, people will be doing a lot of thinking and creating. It's kind of the Clay Shirky talking about how some of the greatest things like Wikipedia are invented by, you know, created and sustained by volunteer labor. Um, so that's that's interesting. And um, I guess on that note, we talked a little bit last week about Netroots Nation. There's another conference coming up next month called Organizing 2.0. Uh, it's very likely those will, at least the Organizing 2.0, will turn out to be virtual events. I know uh, that one was going to be hosted by, uh, by CUNY. Um, they are uh, closing their campuses. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see uh, how organizers and progressive technologists uh, adapt to uh, having these events that normally bring together hundreds and thousands of people uh, to share ideas and, uh, and training. Uh, how do we uh, use technology? Maybe, uh, uh, you know, whether it's conferencing uh, or live streams uh, to uh, continue to build community and make, uh, you know, so 2000 isn't a, isn't a wash. I, I have a lot that I would love to say, uh, maybe on a different episode about the relationship between uh, mediated technology and community, uh, and having you know had now a lot of experience on all kinds of platforms um, that have aspired to uh, deliberative uh, and community kind of values. Um, you know, I Let's, feel like I feel like that's a place we could go maybe for a different episode. Yeah, I think we should compare notes and see also are there guests that we can bring on who represent the better uh, better angels of those technologies. I know it's not it's not an easy 
uh, problem. And it's also interesting to see uh, people who are resisting working from home and are continuing to go into the office despite uh, their companies telling them they can work from home. We also, I have always thought, you know, if, if we want a Green New Deal, we need to have like community centers where people are working and collaborating instead of going downtown to the office, right? Every, you know, every community right. needs essentials, uh, including the ability to work in a collaborative way. Um, I think, you know, I'm a huge science fiction fan. I used to read a lot of uh, Asimov and he had these characters called the spacers who, who had left earth and, uh, and, and begun living in great distances, almost never uh, interacting with other humans. But um, many people do not like uh, that kind of social isol isolation. And so I think part of what we'll see is, uh, I hope, you know, even in a month or two of more first forced work from home because of this uh, illness, uh, we will see a rethinking about uh, how we collaborate and how we work. And I mean, I think it's, it's just ridiculous that people commute for an hour, two hours, three hours to do jobs that could be done uh, through remote technologies uh, today. The last thing I want to say about this is that this is a really scary time on so many levels, uh, even for folks who are not going to come into contact uh, with a virus, uh, because the, 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 you're going to see sectors of the economy uh, really suffer at least some significant ripples, if not outright collapse. There are other places that I think some places are going to be safer than others, but it's going to be a time of incredible insecurity uh, for people who are affected in America by uh, the disease because uh, there's no fucking universal health insurance in America uh, for people who uh, can't easily uh, adapt um, to their, their jobs technologically. Um, it's just, there's just going to be so much unnecessary material suffering. Unnecessary right. because we could fix this. We could have systems in place and could have had systems in place that, uh, that would uh, guarantee a softer landing. Right. And that's why we uh, fight for socialism. A few uh, other stories, non-corona stories that I wanted to uh, mention uh, that I think are, are really interesting and we've been following uh, uh, similar trains of thought. Um, one of them, uh, there's a bill that's uh, pending in Congress uh, called Earn It, and it uh, goes after Section 230 of the uh, Communications Decency Act, which is the one that uh, exempts tech platforms from uh, the the uh, user uh, generated content and this um, earn it is uh, seen by technologists as a successor bill to SESTA FOSTA which was aimed at getting uh, prostitution related content off of the internet and had the effect of uh, pushing sex work underground and uh, creating a lot more um, trouble, including uh, um, violence against sex workers um, because they are back into this uh, really uh, dangerous black market uh, and not able to, uh, for example, list services on Craigslist. Uh, Backpage was one of the big targets of that legislation. Um, this bill, Earn It, is uh, ostensibly about 
uh, child abuse and content related to child abuse online and how can you be against that? The problem is it opens the door uh, for the government to ban encryption, uh, which is one of the tools that activists and journalists uh, use to uh, be free of government interference, government censorship, and it really puts us uh, closer to these uh, countries that have uh, huge censorship regimes and uh, that do not have uh, our First Amendment and right to free speech. Um, the uh, head of WhatsApp inside Facebook is sounding the alarm about this. There are, uh, I think, two, 2 billion users who could be affected uh, if the government uh, is successfully uh, able to ban uh, encryption. And this uh, earn it kind of enables that down the line um, by uh, creating a, a body and, that recommends uh, legislation to Congress and can uh, sneak in uh, those kinds of measures. And this is coming from Lindsey Graham. So this is not, uh, and Diane Feinstein's part of it, so definitely not uh, coming from civil libertarians. Uh, another frightening story uh, this week is uh, that BuzzFeed writing about Clearview AI, which we've mentioned a few times, that has uh, billions of uh, scraped images of people's faces, and basically they can look look at you with the app, and then uh, it'll show all of the other photos uh, in their database. It'll tell who you are and, and other information about you. And uh, they had um, white supremacist troll uh, using their app, this guy Chuck Johnson, uh, who's associated with Infowars, uh, he's uh, he's uh, been accused of being a Holocaust denier. He has ties to the Trump administration. Uh, he was using Clearview AI. Uh, there were other associates of Trump using Clearview AI. A whole bunch of uh, uh, technology investment firms using Clearview AI. Um, and this was after the company said its products were only going to be used by law enforcement. Um, and it really, uh, it just shows like the real Pandora's box with some of these technology companies and the uh, real dearth of uh, benevolent government uh, enforcement. So we have Jesus, you know, government. It just, it just yeah. seems like Clearview AI, th there's a new story every week. Uh, on on some shitty thing and probably illegal thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's they're like bad. the James Woods of the tech sector. So um, another uh, story from the Atlantic this week is uh, it's by Renee DiResta from the uh, Stanford Internet Observatory, and the headline of the story is the conspiracy stories are coming from inside the house. And it says, after 2016, Americans are alert to Russian election interference, but domestic influence are spreading discord on their own. And this focuses a bit on the elections, particularly how folks are responding to the shadow app in Iowa. Um, and I, I, am, I hate the rush to jump in and say something's a conspiracy theory when the facts are unclear. Um, I think the facts are unclear about how much uh, Buttigieg's campaign had to do with uh, acronym and shadow, how much overlap there was, uh, how much uh, friendly information sharing there was. Um, but I do think that the premise of the story 
that domestic uh, uh, misinformation and disinformation is even a bigger problem than uh, the foreign interference is a very good point. Um, one uh, problem we face is that on Twitter, one person can have multiple Twitter accounts, and it's uh, very common uh, for political influencers to have uh, alternative accounts uh, or even to run bot farms. Uh, in my own practice, I work to coordinate with groups of like-minded individuals to boost our content. What we, we know is that you can influence narratives and you can influence uh, how the media uh, covers something uh, through that kind of activism. So people need to be aware of the kinds of users they're talking to, listening to. And again, I think the best recipe for combating disinformation is to place information in context. If you see something that's uh, it's too good to be true, too bad to be true, too ju juicy to be true, um, it doesn't hurt to just Google that and uh, look for other sources of information to uh, compare it to. And I know that in my own amplification practice, I have, uh, you know, I ask people don't, you know, bring something to us unless this is someone you trust and have vetted. And even that, you know, sometimes you do have to vet information. Is this uh, someone with very few followers? Are they very new to Twitter? Did their account uh, change? Did it used to tweet only about sports and now it's all about politics? Um, because one of the tactics that folks use also is to, purchase uh, older accounts and repurpose them. Um, so that, that story, I'm, I'm less you know, worried about uh, conflicting narratives, because I think all, oftentimes conflicting narratives are required to bring the truth out. Um, but it's, it's, people need to be aware that uh, this stuff is not just coming from, uh, you know, from Russian trolls. I also think it's important to point out that disinformation is the result of, of power asymmetries. And so I think there's a material context to why these things happen. Extremely right. powerful people, the oligarchs have an incentive um, to, uh, to, to create massive amounts of misinformation. And then I think also there is this counter incentive, this sort of insurgent uh, misinformation that often comes from groups that feel powerless and that feel like they don't have any other way of accessing uh, the, the, the public uh, conversation. And so I think that, that behind all of this is this irrational power asymmetry that's symptomatic of capitalism. Absolutely. In our current media environment, um, you know, one incident that happened this week, uh, uh, Jack Allison, who's a podcaster, uh, activist, uh, he uh, is a comedy writer, I believe he lives in LA. He was in Michigan uh, for um, Bernie Sanders and ran into someone from MSNBC and uh, confronted this uh, reporter about, and this is an on-air on talent, about lack of coverage by MSNBC of uh, Nazi protester at a Bernie Sanders rally. And um, after about 45 seconds, she like tries to grab his camera and either security or staff that were with her uh, started to grab Allison himself. He says that he was put in a headlock um, and was able to escape and, and hold on to his phone. Um, but the 
So one uh, uh, gentleman from law and crime wrote up that Allison was uh, pressing charges, had filed a police report for assault. Uh, and then the next day, uh, Mediaite, uh, one of their reporters who's a very establishment uh, and, and does a lot of establishment political type stories about the media uh, or establishment oriented kind of like, you know, you always have to question who are these journalists? What are their biases, right? Uh, writes a story that says that uh, that the podcaster uh, Jack Allison had uh, harassed this reporter, right? And that was the headline. And it's like, uh, it was very clear from a videotape that uh, he was combative, but did not touch her and then was manhandled and, you know, tried to grab his phone. It's like, um, that kind of power asymmetry is massive when it's MSNBC versus independent uh, and smaller uh, uh, media um, figures and, and outlets. And I think that's part of the problem we're seeing with, with coronavirus is people want to share information and get information out there, especially when the information coming from the authorities is confusing and misleading. And as with Trump's uh, uh, address on this absolutely incorrect. You know, he stated that they were ending uh, cargo from Europe. And then as soon as he got off, he's like tweeting, oh, no, no, cargo's not affected. I think he contradicted himself within the speech. Um, so we are in, we're in scary times that call for a better community response. And I guess the we can leave folks with is that 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 community response is is in many ways up to us. <laughs>